It's episode 13 of the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. So glad you joined us today. Brick and Mortar Reporter has a very exciting guest. Now, it's unlike any business model that you have probably been exposed to because this guest is doing something that I've never seen done anywhere. And she's got uh, 14 months of experience doing this unique thing. So um, I'm very excited to introduce to you Paula Bodorf. Um, from the wedding store in Wausau, Wisconsin. Now, the wedding store is kind of like a wedding expo every single day. It's a brick-and-mortar store that you can go into and have access to all the vendors and all the relationships and all the services you would need in order to plan your wedding. So, Paula, welcome. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Thank you. Now, to get us started, can you kind of tell us a little bit about um, any experience that you had? I mean, you obviously had to have some experience to jump into the wedding business. Um, you don't just do that. It's a bold move if you don't have any wedding experience. But tell us a little bit about your personal and professional history, and then kind of talk to us a little bit about how you came up with this idea, because I'm very curious where the idea for your uh, business came from. Okay, thank you. Um Actually, uh, I didn't have any experience in the wedding business. Oh, and, wow. Um, it was just, it was something that evolved from um, when my daughter got married, I did the slideshow for her wedding. Okay. And um, several people that were, it was a very large wedding. Several people uh-huh. that attended came up to me and said, that was wonderful. You should do this for other people. And I uh-huh. enjoyed doing it. So I tried to kick that around a little bit and market it a little bit. Went to a couple expos and nothing came of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then my boyfriend who owns the the building that I'm in now, um, mm-hmm. his his storefront came available was you know for rent. And, mm-hmm. and so I approached him with the idea, and he thought about it for a couple of days, and um, here we are. It, it went from um, <laughs> what I originally, my original thought was, um, if there are other people that have small home-based businesses that service the wedding industry mm-hmm. that would like to get in front of brides, maybe they would like a place to meet their brides, a a place to advertise um, and not have to meet in coffee shops, not have to worry about um, getting in front of their target market. There's a place Mm -hmm. for their target market to go to find them. And um, we decided to do that. And within about a week, it went from just, having um, other service professionals that were in the space to us doing other, doing rentals, um, renting Mm. wedding stuff and decorations. And it's just, it's been a slow but quick evolution. (laughs) Yeah. 
Now, let me ask you this, just kind of so our listeners understand what we're talking about. Essentially, your storefront is sort of a showroom, if it, I guess that would be the right way to describe it, for um, anything that a bride would need. So um, it might be, like you say, rentals or that sort of thing that a bride is coming in for. They would be able to see um, whether it's um, decorations or even maybe samples of cakes. I would love to work in a place that had samples of cakes sitting around. <laughs> but but you, you have a showroom, so to speak, where people can get all these services through one location. Is that essentially the way it is? That's exactly correct. I, I actually call my storefront a showroom. Um, okay. Where we, we have samples of our rentals. We have mm-hmm. spaces where um, I call them vendors or, or wedding professionals mm-hmm. um, showcase their works. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a space for our, our wedding dresses, and then we also have a consignment area from past weddings. And it's, ah. it's, it's 800, 800 square feet of a lot going on. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, I guess when you think about what a typical bride has to, I mean, what they have to do to plan a wedding is the equivalent of a full-time job, you know, depending on how elaborate they're going and what all they're doing. But, you know, you're talking about dealing with multiple vendors dealing with um, lots of different products, um, having more choices than you can. I guess I kind of compare it to, in my mind, like in the building industry, you have a general contractor if you're building a house. You have a general contractor that deals with your plumber and your electrician and your framer and your roofer and, you know, all these things. You still pick out the things, but they make it happen. So it's almost like you're a general contractor for the, the wedding industry, aren't you? That's that's a very good description, yes. Because um, you're dealing with, I mean, you're dealing with... Um, other vendors and and you're kind of handling each of those relationships for the bride. Yeah, would that be right? In in many cases. Now a lot of it depends upon the bride and her budget and how she's approaching her wedding. A lot of brides are very hands on and want to do the work themselves. Uh-huh. And in that case, um, if if a bride comes in and says, "Can you recommend a caterer, for instance?" I say, um, "Yeah, I have this caterer that I work with. I've known Corey for." several months. I know she's been in business for 20-some years. I know she does a good job, and mm-hmm. um, this is who I recommend. And then that bride takes that information and contracts with Corey directly. And, okay. And it, it just depends. Like, in uh, now I'm working on a wedding that I am going to contract all of the, the different vendors and take okay. care of so, so really, each case can be as um, automated through you as the bride wants it to be, or they can take ownership for whatever aspects. I mean, I'm sure there's hot buttons with every bride, whether they, you know, it's the catering or whether it's the flowers or, you know, there's certain things that they just won't trust anyone else with. Exactly. And it's each, each event is a different animal, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now, can you, exactly kind right. of, can you kind of explain to us, what your revenue model is. Um, I know you you mentioned that you have rentals, Mm -hmm. so clearly you would make money. Are are the rentals something that you do yourself or you do through like a rental company? For the most part, I own my merchandise. 
Okay, um, so you've accumulated that over time, and now you're able to rent it out. Yes, and it's okay. it's mostly just small things. I I don't do tents or or um, tables and chairs and things like that. It's mm-hmm. Mostly decorations, backdrops. Okay. Um, mostly decorations, and okay. uh, those things I do own. There's a few things that I do subcontract out. Linens, for mm-hmm. instance, are um, a big space. Mm-hmm. inhibitor so to speak you know there's mm-hmm. hundreds of different colors and styles and sizes and so that's not something that I want to own I don't have the space and I just right. don't have the budget to sure. to have something like that that you know if I own 200 purple tablecloths I may not rent those so it's, gotcha. it's just not in sort of ridiculous (laughs) and you you so you have rentals you also have consignment yeah um of i would imagine that's things like that the brides use for their wedding and then they own these things and then they think wow now i need to store them for the rest of my life right or mom has to store them in her basement mom has to store them (laughs) in the attic yeah (laughs) moms are my biggest customers i i Oh, please just take these out of my house. <laughs> That's funny. That that is so true, though. You know, the young bride, it's like everything stays at mom's house because they don't want to clutter up their own living space with it. So that, right. that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. And so, and then you're also able to charge for your services and consultations. Um, now, do you get any type of commissions or referrals from the the businesses that you are referring the brides to? I do not. Okay. Um, What I do get is a monthly rent amount. It's a flat rate. Okay. That makes sense. And then, for instance, um, right now I'm collaborating on a wedding with another planner in another town, and um, I am paying her a a finder's fee, so to Uh speak. On, uh-huh. on sending that customer to me and working with me. Um, but for the most part, I, I personally find it unethical. I don't want my um, DJ to raise his price $200 right. so that he has to pay me. It, it seems right. unhonest to me. Okay. Well, you know, there's there's a whole lot to be said for that, you know, and just mm-hmm. be, having those good relationships where people end up kind of having this circle of referrals that come to and from them and you know that's that's a great way to do business so Mm -hmm. excellent well I we spent a little more time trying to sort of explain your business model because it is so unique and it's you know it's it's like the conventions and the exhibits that you see with the bridal shows that happen in most areas once a year or maybe twice a year, but you get that every single day at your place. And so um, it's just kind of a definitely an unusual uh, business model. So I wanted people to kind of have a grasp on what you're actually doing and the services that you're providing. So I appreciate you letting us dive a little deeper th- under the surface than we normally would with yeah. with your business. Thank you. Now, at what point in your life did you say, I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to own a business. Is that something that's been a long time coming or how did you get there? I think I was in eighth grade and I took an introduction to business class. 
Wow. It was very, very natural to me. Interesting. Pardon my dog. She's enjoying her toy tonight. Um, (laughs) That's okay. We're dog friendly here. It's no big deal. (laughs) um, I I just, I got to the class, you know, what are you, 14? And And it was just always in the back of my mind that it's not that I wanted to be a business owner. I just knew I would. There was there was never any question in my mind. Okay. And, and it was finding the niche, finding the business, deciding, you know, what's a good thing to do. And right. And I, so, I, I sort of felt, feel like I fell into this, and I love it. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I think so many times it's those early inclinations that we end up sometimes we put them on the back burner for a while and it takes a little longer for them to come to fruition in our lives mm-hmm. and then other times it's like you you kind of feed it all along and then it just grows and pretty soon it's like you know the minute you have the opportunity you know that there's no way in the world you're working for anyone else you know you're just going to work for yourself and mm-hmm. and that that's great too so it's it's interesting to recognize those um those seeds of the entrepreneurial mind way back in 8th grade when you're taking a business class you yeah. know because you just you just don't you i guess most teachers probably don't even think that they're cultivating the um you know, future business leaders of America or anything like that. So yeah, probably not. You could be with a coach. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Now, in the when, wedding business was the furthest thing from his mind. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> well, and I was going to say it's you know it's just something that you it's not something that's on most people's radar. And like you said, you know, you had a natural. Um, experience with it whenever you planned and did the thing with your daughter's wedding and so many things come up incidentally like that whether you are trying to be the consumer and you can't find the business you know that you that you want to consume and so you start the business you want to consume or you naturally come into it by you know need of what you're what you're already doing so um it's a very natural evolution eventually um to get you to that place so now when you finally started your business, what was your biggest fear? Oh, it, it kind of sounds odd, but my biggest fear, I guess, would be asking other wedding professionals to be a part of my business when I didn't have the experience that they had, when uh. I when I didn't when I was that I was a new business and and there was mm-hmm. there was you know the, the, what there's a twenty percent chance that I would survive that right, year. right right and and so I was fearful and intimidated mm-hmm. by other people that that had been in the business a long time and and. Why would they want to deal with me? <laughs> right. No, it's it. I, I've heard it described before as the imposter syndrome. In other words, you feel like everyone else else out there is the real deal for business, and you're the one that's the poser. You're the one that's like, I'm not really up to snuff, and I don't measure up to their same standards. And at the same time, that feeds those insecurities that we have, and and we build up in our minds. And and I guess I would. 
I'm going to ask you, but you can you completely be honest, but whenever you finally got out to the point where you were reaching out to other businesses, did you find out that you had a very different experience than you had built it up in your mind to be? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and part, part of it is just, is just personal fear that you have to overcome. Absolutely. And part of it is that you do have to gain credibility. You know, mm-hmm. I there's been there were many many professionals that I reached out to early early on that that did not acknowledge me, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And now in the past few months, it's a whole different ballgame that they mm-hmm. they're seeing that I'm stepping around and, and right. seeing the work that I've done and they. There's many professionals that are my biggest advocates now. Right. Yeah, and you know, the interesting thing is is that part, I think, like I even find, you know, I have the same thing with, you know, because I'm reaching out to business owners, you know, saying, come, come, let me talk to you about your business on my podcast. And they're they're in their minds. I'm thinking they're like, who is this chick? Why does she want to talk to me? It's the same <laughs> thing. But what I have found out is that if you go ahead and reach out now, the worst thing that can happen is that somebody doesn't respond to my email or my contact or, you know, something like that. They're not going to going to lambaste me and they're they're not going to belittle me and, and waste their energy doing that. The worst thing that can happen is they don't respond. Even then with business owners, you know, just like anyone else does, response is really all a matter of timing. So it might be that I send you something today or you reach out to a business that you're wanting to partner with today and everything's going on and going crazy in that business. But you know what? Three months from now, if you reach back out, you might get a completely different response. And it necessarily doesn't have anything to do with you or me. It has to do more with that business owner and where they were whenever they got the contact. Yeah, and I found that too. And that's a big thing even with my direct customers, my brides, is where are they in their planning process? I can... I can reach out to them, but if they're not ready for me, then they're just not. Exactly, yeah. And I think for us not to take that personally and not feed that, you know, we all are going to have those doubts. No matter what business you're going to be in, you're always going to have those doubts. And for some reason, our minds like to feed on those more than the successes and the accomplishments and and all the, you know, good Mm -hmm. things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think it's real important for us to really kind of check that, so to speak, and, mm-hmm. and keep it for what it is. Because if you reach out, if you ask for help, if you approach somebody, you know, you're either going to get no answer or a yes or a no. And even then, a no doesn't mean a no forever. It might just mean a no for now. Exactly. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. what you're finding. No for now, but later on, talk to me because they might be at a different place in their business as well. So, Paula, whenever you got started in business, did you have any sort of a business coach or mentor that helped you? First and foremost would be my boyfriend. And uh-huh. we've been together for seven years. And being that he's been in business for 27 himself, he's given me lots of advice. 
you know, as my partner in life, there's been times where I didn't necessarily want to listen to him because that's what we do as partners. You have the option to yeah. disregard, right? <laughs> but but yes, he's he's probably been my biggest influence on many things. Um, just he has super work ethic, and and that's that's been very important to me. And Bill would think, be the, the, the number one person, I think, that has yeah. been there. Well, and, you know, I think it's important to have those people in our lives that we can talk business to and talk shop to and get their ideas and get their input. Because so many times, especially when you're kind of like in your situation where you're like a solopreneur trying to, you know, be all things to all your customers, that we can have ideas and we can and we can see things, but we only see them from our perspective. And so when you have somebody else that has the business chops that can look at something and say, you know, that's a good idea, but have you thought about this, that, or the other? And suddenly you're seeing it from a completely different perspective. And that's that's really critical sometimes. So yeah. I, and, and I, along that lines, if I might mention, the, sure. the gal that I work with consistently with, um, the Wasa City pages is she's been wonderful with me because wonderful. she knows lots and lots of business people that she does she writes ads for and uh-huh. and so and she's had lots of experience with working with people and she's been she's been a good person for me, for me to go to you know mm-hmm. to ask her and she's a female too so that helps because always. You know, my boyfriend and, and men don't always know Ooh, what drives well, more. Well, and I was I was going to say, I think sometimes, too, it's just if you don't know and you have the ability to reach out and ask somebody, I have found so many people ready and willing to respond with help if you just ask. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like she's the same way that she can refer you to people because she knows kind of where to steer you and where to where to steer you into and where to steer you out of to keep you from uh you know getting sidetracked with people that are not going to enhance your business and right. you know so that's definitely a good thing now are there um some I don't want to say failures but maybe some things that you've had go on as you've launched your business and you're now you know in in the second year of of your unique business model, are there any failures that you've had along the way that maybe another business owner could hear about and learn from? Yes. Um, I would say there have been things that I've invested in to sell as retail merchandise Mm -hmm. that were not a good idea, that I didn't do my homework well enough on and should Mm -hmm. have. Um, And that's probably the biggest thing is is I mm-hmm. I should have not looked into things more before I purchased something to put on a on a shelf to sell. Um, and so you know you try so things me, and if it doesn't work then then you just stop doing that. But right. Let me ask you this because I've heard it before from a couple other people that actually have stores and physical products. Is it the type thing where you see something and you think, oh, people are going to love this, and then you stock it and nobody loves it? Is is it that kind of a disconnect? Yeah. 
I don't even know how to describe it. it somewhat what you described, but other because I try not to get emotionally involved in what I think that that people will purchase. Right, I, right, I just right. try to predict, you know, will people like this? And mm-hmm. and sometimes it turns out I'm wrong. I, I I realize that just because I love something doesn't mean that everybody's going to love it. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's and, and you know it's just a risk, regardless. You know, I, I'm sure yeah. any big box stores, like, there's always a clearance aisle. And, yeah, even <laughs> you know what that is exactly. So you know, I'm I I just have to tell myself I'm not alone. You know, it's uh-huh. a mistake that I made, and and people make them, and you know, you just have to move on. Yeah. Well, and that's important, too, is that you you essentially are looking at everything and saying, okay, so now I know I tried this. It's not the best seller. Let's go ahead and write that off, get rid of it, open up that shelf space and get something else in here that people are going to love. So mm-hmm. that's definitely true. And not being emotionally involved. I was talking to some people the other day that some business owners that they make soap and it was funny because they were saying, you know, we come up with these fragrances and these mixes, and we just think, oh, this is going to be the best seller ever. And they put it on their shelves, and it sits there. And they go, you know, that eventually ends up being ones that we make in little small batches for our own use, and it will never again see the light of day inside <laughs> the store. But it's just, it's funny because you, I think we automatically assume that we are, um, you know, our likes are going to be what our customers are going to like. And sometimes it's hard to realize that it's not really that simple, you know. Yeah, so you have to just realize that people come from all walks of life and, Absolutely. and all budgets and, and, you know, it's... And, and it can be expensive lessons to learn about yeah. the uh, what stock and whatnot too. And it, you know what though, there's there's no science to it. You know, even even with the big national companies, you know, you're right. They have not just do they have clearances, they have whole entire outlet distribution channels to get mm-hmm. all the stuff that's left over from their stores into one place. You know, so you're not doing too bad. <laughs> Don't fool yourself. I'm not buying it that big of a book. Thank goodness. <laughs> Exactly. So now I know that you are a big fan of local business in your community, and much of that is because you've had to partner with so many other local businesses in order to carry out the services um, that you know your brides are are using through your business. Now, what is the one thing locally in in Wausau that's helped your business more than anything? Oh my gosh. Um... Word of mouth. Um, okay. It, just just personal referrals are, are the most important thing that I felt, you know, in building the relationships with the other local businesses. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could pinpoint one particular outlet. Well, you know, the, I, you're, you're in line with 100% of the other business owners that I've talked to now as I've been doing these interviews, and they're all saying word of mouth is my largest referral, uh, you know, channel. And the reason that happens, I think, you know, with local businesses, we love to tell, as consumers, we love to tell other people whenever 
we've got a we found a great service. You know, it makes us the hero. <laughs> whenever, right. whenever you're the go-to person for everyone, we love to do that. Um, and at the same time, you know, people feel like they want to give people in the local business community the opportunity to get more business. You know, if they're doing good work. So I definitely hear that word of mouth is critical. You know, for local businesses. Now, how have you approached forming those relationships for? the referrals within your, um, you know, the the other vendors that you need to use for your services. Um, what do you do to get those off the ground? Well, I personally use the phone and email a lot. I use direct mail a lot. Um, Bill, my business partner, is has been the one mostly that, that did the face-to-face. Um, approaches simply because I was in the shop and I have a personally I have sort of a fear of of talking to people face to face oddly enough (laughs) (laughs) I do very well one on one in my shop with my customers but but to to go to someone else's business and feel like I'm invading their space uh-huh. Uh, I'm not comfortable with that, and, and he does just fine. Um, but for me personally, I've done very well on the phone. I've done very well. Um, like it's, it's wedding expos. I, I do a, a walk around, and I introduce myself and give out my mm-hmm. cards. And a, another crazy thing I like to do is um, I pass out my card in 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 the grocery store line. You've got, okay. The guy behind you has you've got their full attention, and right. <laughs> they're not yeah, going anywhere. And, and so I use that a lot. But for other businesses, mostly just the telephone. Okay. Now, um, I, I, you're the, another thing that's unique about your business is that I hate to say it, but you probably don't want a lot repeat of repeat customers coming to you for wedding after <laughs> wedding, right? I mean, most people are clamoring to get repeat customers, um, but yours, that probably means something's gone awry somewhere if that happens, unless it's just family referrals, right? Yeah, right. Um, we we so in, in in the beginning that maybe we should have a divorce attorney. <laughs> no. Exactly. Yeah, all kind of services. But what, um, as far as I know, you're having to compete with um, other retail stores and, and and probably even some online services. So, what makes you and your business model unique and separates you from your competitors? The personal service. I, okay. I, I really feel like that I go above and beyond um, what people expect. I'm, mm-hmm. I keep myself very honest, very grounded, mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I just, I feel like I owe it to these young people to do the best for them that I possibly can mm-hmm. at the lowest price that I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one that, how should I put it? I don't hear the word wedding and hear dollar signs. I don't hear the kitchen. I hear what can I do for these folks to, to help them buy a house. In six right. months, as opposed to spending twenty five thousand dollars on a wedding. Well, and you know, um, you're you're dealing with people 
at a very stressful time in their life. I mean, it's an exciting time, but it's a very stressful time in their lives. Um, and I am sure that you probably have your bridezilla stories that you, you don't even have to admit to <laughs> that you have them. But, um, you know, I know that probably part of your job almost becomes like being a, a counselor or a psychiatrist or something like that to try to keep um, keep everyone happy during this time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I I find myself just saying, you know, I, I haven't had many bridezillas, and I haven't, I just was talking to a friend the other day, and I said 99% of these young women are just perfectly lovely. I love them. Ah, um, that's so good. But, and once in a while, you, you get somebody that, they're just too much of a perfectionist and you have to just, uh-huh. it, it's not, not necessarily counseling them. It's more or less talking them down into reality. Okay. It, you know, it, Pinterest is, is everybody wants oh. to be on Pinterest and get things <laughs> perfect. just like what the Pinterest picture is. And, right. and that's not always what reality is. Either it's your budget that's, or that's what I can do or my abilities or, and, and you know, it's not a difficult thing to do. People people yeah. recognize that. Right. Well, it's good that you have the patience to uh, deal with the emotional side of that because I know that comes into play probably in almost every client you deal with. So, mm-hmm. Now, what type of marketing strategies are working for you right now with your business? My very best marketing strategy to date has been Facebook. And okay, talk to us about how you're using Facebook because that's something that a lot of small business owners um, might not be completely comfortable with. Okay, um, I I do well. I haven't been for a couple of months. Excuse me. I do a lot of target marketing where mm-hmm. I I focus on my demographics and 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 pay to mm-hmm. to to have those people see my my um, Facebook page. Um, so kind of like Facebook ads? Facebook ads, yeah. Okay. And um, the other big thing that I feel like people miss with their Facebook page is to, to stay engaged, you know, uh. put something on there every day. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. If you just go on there and say hi and put a ridiculous picture on there, something that's <laughs> going to grab somebody's attention and people uh-huh. and draw them to your Facebook page. Well, and I guess it's if it's something besides um, just sales type stuff, you know, that that keeps people engaged and instead of just buy this, buy that, buy this, we have this on sale, you know, which which your business is a little bit unique in that you don't always have that going on, but it does make a difference when you're not just putting buying stuff on there. Oh yeah. Just I I when I first started I haven't done it in a long time and I think it's it just there's no reason why I haven't done it. Because I did odd facts about weddings yeah. posted on there. And and now, you know, I, I like funny wedding cartoons and, mm-hmm. and sometimes... Blooper a, videos, yeah. those kind of things. And once in a while, I, if something's just slightly off color, I'll put it on there if it has to do with marriage and weddings. Uh-huh. And, and 
people enjoy it, you know. Yeah, they, they, and, and you know, those, those are the things that actually people share, too. Mm-hmm. You know, those those type of little memes and other things that, that go around. I mean, those are the things that people share because it's things we all can relate to. Exactly. You know, so it's kind of being the, the engagement connector about, you know, with the, the user engagement and that sort of thing. So now, as far as your business goes, how do you measure whether you're doing well or whether you're not or what what type of performance metrics or indicators do you look at just as a business owner? <laughs> you want me to give you the answer? <laughs> So, <laughs> be honest. Um, <laughs> I just sort of keep an eye on the books, and if there's money okay. in the bank and my bills are being paid, I, I'm I'm feeling comfortable. You know, with, okay. as with any new business, I have quite a lot of debt, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. It, it just goes with the territory, right? But um, if if I feel like if I'm paying the bills every month and the doors are still open and I'm mm. going to work every day and I'm I'm coming home and I'm tired, that mm. means that I'm getting something done. Gotcha. So it's it's really more about the cash flow. If you if your business has the cash flow to keep the bills paid, keep the doors open and at the end of the day you can come back in and do it the next day, you're you're doing fine. Yes. Well and boy that sounds so clinical. Um, oh. I want to. I, I want <laughs> to make sure too. If, if my if my customers are happy, right, you know, right. if, if I hear from when someone comes into my store and, and and says, "Boy, my aunt and my mom and my cousin and my sister all told me I need to come in here," that tells me that that things are happening. And somebody's talking about you. Yeah. You know, somebody. Is talking in a positive way about you, and that you know that's that's I mean a measure um, whether it's or you know the amount of referrals that you get or the amount of people that are are new customers coming in from referrals. I mean mm-hmm. that's a huge measure of whether your business is doing well or not. You know, whenever you get to a point where you're not getting new customers in your business, you're you're going to have a problem. <laughs> like, my customers, like my, my, me and my business is nothing but new customers. Exactly. I, it, exactly. I have, you know, I work with, with young ladies and, and many times their fiancés and, and families for six to eight months at a time. And, wow. and sometimes two or three months, depending on how on the ball they are with getting things right. done. And um, th- then I don't see them again. But then mm-hmm. uh, out of the blue, you know, uh, three weeks ago, I, I had a mom come in and say, said, you know, my, my niece bought her wedding invitations from you. And so I want to make an appointment for when my daughter's in town to come and order our wedding invitations. It wasn't a matter of if they're going to order the wedding invitations. It was to order the, the wedding invitations. And gotcha. and that that speaks volumes. Absolutely. And, the, you know, the thing is, whenever you know that you're helping people, um, you know, that's, that's what I, I see over and over again with local business owners is that there is a pride and a 
um, you know, you take it seriously because your name and your reputation are on the line and you want to do the best job you can for your customers. You want to do right by your customers. And when it's a toss up between something that could go in your favor or in your customer's favor, nine times out of 10, that local business owner is going to say, I will take the hit and defer on the side of my customer, you yeah. know, and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And it's just a completely different mindset than a corporation and a big national chain that really um, doesn't really have that at their core. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, if if I do an entire wedding or if I do, if I just rent a few things to a wedding, you know, and if, if there's 250 people at that wedding and say a tenth of them are going to get married in the next two years. Right. That, that That's my next customer base. Absolutely. So, you know, Absolutely. There's, there's no dress rehearsal. You do it right the first time. And that's almost like, you know, every event you have is your interview for your next job. Exactly. You know. <laughs> as scary as that may be. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know it can get a little stressful on those uh, wedding days. So. <laughs> now, what do you, in looking back um, over your journey, um, what do you know now that you wish somebody had been able to tell you um, when you got started? I thought long and hard about how I want to answer this question, and I'm just going to tell you my my most honest answer that I feel the most comfortable with. Okay. Um, I wish I wouldn't have been as trusting as with with some people as I was. I wish okay. you know I would have been a little better judge of character, maybe, and mm-hmm. not even a better judge of character. I wish I would have. Um, went with the red flag when I saw it. Ah, kind of trusting that intuition. Yeah, and, and there were there's been not a lot, not you know, not out of the ordinary, not right. ridiculous. Um, there's been a few times when I I thought I looked back and I thought, yeah, I should have just trusted what my first impression was Trust and that, went with yeah. it. And and you know. That, I was going to say that that again goes back to that we were talking about that, you know, the fear and the things that we build up in our minds. And somehow a lot of us, and, and I don't know that it's even um, not more more women in particular maybe that aren't as confident, you know, and don't trust themselves as much. Mm-hmm. But we see that, you know, it's the same people that think where women have a problem charging what they're worth in a business many times. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it gets to a point where you know we have the intuition and you know you have the gut feeling. And for whatever reason, we we discount it and we put it aside and say, oh, no, that you're you're wrong about this one until later on. And we say, why didn't you know, why didn't I trust myself? Mm-hmm. And it is a learning process with that, you know, because the more you do it, the more you get confident and say, you know, I don't get this feeling very often, but every time I do, I've been right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, yeah, and, and I'm glad I've learned that lesson. I I learned it the hard way a couple of times, but that's okay. Right. You know, what yeah. are you going to do? You, you can't, all you do is move forward. And, say, oh, and the next time... Happened. And, and the next time it becomes easier to go with your gut because you've just got all your validation and your data that it's probably right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, and, and that, there's a saying that no is a complete sentence. 
and, and yeah. re- learn to say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Period at the end of it too. Mm-hmm. So it and that's and that's okay because it's your business. And so it really, you know, you don't even have to sometimes justify why you make the decisions that you make when you're in the position that you're in. So um it is a good lesson to learn and that confidence, I think it comes with time. It really does. It's not something that many people can come out of the gate and have because you need you need to go through those experiences mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. So one of the questions I like to ask when I, when I have the opportunity to talk to business owners, um, and especially as we're trying to promote local and, and trying to really get people aware of how they impact their economy in their community by keeping money at local businesses as opposed to national businesses and, and other big box type stores. Um, but I always like to ask, what holes in the market you have seen through your business? In other words, are there products and services that you would love to source locally, but you just can't find them offered? Yes, linens. Okay. Yeah. I I wish we had the major linen companies that that do big rentals are um, in – the metropolises, the, the Chicago, the New Jersey's, the New York's, and Los Angeles, and and anything that I rent from them, and then I re-rent to my customers. The, the, the money's too much, and my customers, oh. you know, maybe some of them, you know, can afford it, but in my mind, they shouldn't have to pay that much. If we right. had, if we had that. Available locally, it would just it would just be amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, what what exactly when you kind of in, in the wedding industry, whenever you lump a category like linens together, mm-hmm. what what exactly is that to the average consumer? Um, that would be tablecloths in many many different colors, um, okay. chair covers, table runners, chair sashes, those kinds of things. Okay, so all of those things that are essentially the the base, probably the base or the foundation for a lot of the decorations that go on at receptions. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So you, there's no company locally that you find that has either a, a good supply of them or at an affordable price. They have good supplies of white or ivory or black. But, ah. but if we, when we get into the more detailed and the color and and more um, decorative stuff, it, it, it's just not here. And and I would love to see it. You know, if I yeah. could do it myself, I would. But it's yeah. a huge undertaking. Yeah, no, definitely it is. And that you know, that's at the same time you as a business owner, you know. Um, I'm sure you hear customers all the time tell, oh, you should do this or you should do that or you should add this and you should add that. And everyone has their opinions. But, you know, part of the wisdom of what you do is knowing what your core functions are and what you're, um, what you're best at and mm-hmm. leaving those other things to other people. And I can imagine that, um, you know, if you add on something that like that that's a huge undertaking, then somehow your core business suffers. Oh, yeah. You know, in its current state, but but that is good because this gives us a definite, actionable niche that somebody could go out, you know, and in a month have 
something going on to provide that. And so that's exactly what we're looking for. So that's a great, that's definitely a great uh, thing to, to point out that you can't find people to provide uh, anything other than very basic colors in linens. Mm-hmm. And uh, colors are, are, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because they're, they're, every year they're different and I know they change for weddings and and all that so it is I don't want to say it's perishable but it's definitely one of those things that you know you no one's using mauve these days let's just say that right mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah and, so and you got to stay there's, current yeah, there's investment that, that's it, it, it's a risk well right. any investment is a risk but you know you what are you going to do with 400 mauve linens <laughs> exactly. I guess you dye them to purple the next year or something. Purple I don't know. But, but you would think there would be a way you could scale, you know, scale darker on the the color wheel, you know, and still salvage no your basic product. So listen to me, full of advice. Yeah, I've got, a, got it all planned out. So. Oh goodness. Well, um, so at this point, what do you see as the next step for your business? Where's the wedding store going? Oh boy. Well, I, I, my my grandbaby, my granddaughter is going to be born next month, and, and I tell everybody that she's going to take it over in twenty years. Excellent! Congratulations <laughs> on that, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, the the next step, I guess, would be um, I'd like to probably at some point in the next five years or so move into a bigger space. Okay. And um. Eventually, have a venue that's attached mm-hmm. to my shop. Um, oh yeah, but that's that's a long, long ways off. Right, right, right. But but the good thing is, you at least have it on the radar, so you know you know where you're going and what you're looking at, and the the things that will add just more extensions of your business, mm-hmm. more channels of revenue, and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. great to hear. Now, as far as the day to day running the, of your business goes, do you have like a favorite tool or software or product or anything that you use daily to run your business that you couldn't live without? <laughs> oh, gosh, no. I, I don't even think there's one thing. Um, a tape measure. You gotta, okay. you got to know what what everything, a calculator, how many people are in the wedding, how many tables, narrowing it down and dividing it up. Um no, because there's just so many aspects to a wedding. You know, everything ties together, but it's all very, very different. And Yeah, and it's funny, you know, a lot of times we go through those math classes in school and we think, I'm never going to use this. And before you know it, you're using it every single day and having to be really accurate or end up losing losing a whole lot of money on a mm-hmm. job. So That's right. That's interesting. Now, um, at this point, we want to give you, you've been generous in sharing some very, um, very specific uh, things that you've learned along your way to uh, your entrepreneurial journey and opening the wedding store and then, you know, keeping it open for the last couple of years. And um, I'd like to give you the opportunity to promote anything that you would like to about your store. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I guess for, for people that are listening, not so locally to, to look at my website, www.theweddingstorellc.com. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, and they can surely obtain invitations there. 
Um, mm-hmm. And boy, just to to let more local people know that that I'm here, and yeah. that, that I'm not just about selling and stuff, selling right. them something. Or- I'm about creating a dream for them at an affordable price. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, what we'll do is in the show notes for this podcast, I will link up to your um, website, the one you just mentioned, www.theweddingstorellc.com. And then where else can we find you on the web? We can find you at facebook.com. Is it The Wedding Store? It's The Wedding Store, yes. Okay. The Wedding Store. Anywhere else on the web that we can find you and, and link up to in the show notes? Oh, my gosh. Um, probably maybe LinkedIn, but that's me personally. I don't think so. I don't, okay. I, you know, I don't know. People tell me okay. they find me, but I don't know how they find me. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow the magical universe of the Internet comes to pl- comes into play with that. So <laughs> we will link up to these places because even, I was going to say, even um, for people that might not be in your local area, um, but they're getting ready to plan a wedding um, by seeing what you're doing on Facebook and seeing, um, you know, some of the things that, you kind of serve to educate a little bit. Oh, and yeah. so that definitely is something that they could benefit from, even if they're outside of the Wausau, Wisconsin area. So we'll link all that up in the show notes. And um, Paula, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. I know you've had a long work day behind you already and a lot going on. And I'm glad that you're busy enough that you end up at the end of every day exhausted. And I am so grateful for the time you spent sharing your business and your vision. And um, if we have anyone that has any questions or has uh, more, maybe they want to discover about your business, we will send them to you online through the show notes and and find you that way. So so thank you so much for your time. Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick and mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.